What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Mets Legends cast. As always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Michael Jennings. And we got two really special guests on today. Super stoked to be joined by Jack Hendon and Sam Lebowitz, who host one of my favorite podcasts about the Mets. Pleasant good evening. Jack, Sam, Mike, how are you guys doing today? Tell me all at once, why don't you, since I just bunched all your names together. <laughs> I'm fantastic, Rob. Rob, it is so good to see you. You were looking so cute today. Thank you. I got a haircut just for you guys. wanted to look my best. Um, got the little oh, beard trim coming on. Yeah, the glasses are popping. You guys yeah. look handsome as always, too. Very, uh, very Kevin Pillar you got going on. I wish oh. I could see Oh, I like that comparison. That's a high compliment. I yeah, know. he's a handsome man. There's no mask, though. He doesn't look like Batman to me. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. true. I left my Batman mask uh, in the other room. I'm going to have to go get it midway through the episode. I can't do Kevin Pillar dirty like that. Have you guys ever seen Robin Kevin Pillar in the same room? I haven't. I haven't. I've never seen them either. <laughs> no, he was he was suspiciously offline um, uh, when uh, he got that that double off Arietta a couple of nights ago. I don't know. Maybe he's just like a these two sport athlete podcasts and, and plays baseball. I don't know. Listen, man. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I pop a sweat usually when I'm podcasting. I'm pretty I'm pretty sweaty in general though. So just for all the fans at home, you guys got to know that Rob's a sweaty guy. I hope you guys enjoy that. So I am I can, too. I can, I can put athlete in my Tinder bio now. Please do. I, I think you should have already. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, uh, Jack, Sam, it's great to have you guys on. Um, I, you know, I was on your podcast uh, a couple months ago on the spring. And um, back then in my infantile uh, podcast days, we were using WebEx to record our podcasts. And we had Ryan Finkelstein on from Metsmerized. And it lagged so bad that I had to scrap the entire episode like he would go to say something and it would it would like my computer would just like freak <laughs> out uh, so his mic was too good it was so it was too good uh, but we started using zoom it's been a lot better um, so had, glad to have you guys on so let's talk about your podcast for a little bit um, kind of want to hear from you guys how did it start how did you determine that you wanted to do a podcast together what was the process like and uh, how has it been going since you've kind of gotten into the routine of doing it on a more regular basis? Yeah. So uh, Jack and I are also former mesmerized uh, employees, if you want to call us former writers. And that's how Jack and I met. And um, basically there was a, a void at mesmerized. There was no podcast for a portion of time when our, when our friend Tim Ryder was absent from the site. And so Jack and I looked at each other. I, I approached Jack. I said, Hey, we're both like in our early, early twenties. We both have a lot of the same opinions. We both have a similar sense of humor and we both know how to speak in front of a microphone. Why don't we like just goof around for an hour once a week and talk about the Mets. Mets Marais was into the idea. They hosted us until we left the site together and we've been running strong for about 10 months since we started the podcast. We're 40 episodes deep. We've only skipped like two or three weeks. So it's been about 42, 43 weeks since our first episode. So uh, I know that I'm really proud of the work we've done. And, you know, I think that as we continue to post, we'll continue to grow. And, and we appreciate you having us on. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, 
that's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, it was definitely, I think, in the moment, it was a situation where I think we both agreed that Mesmerize needed a podcast, but we were also, there hadn't been, I think, a lot of like, I don't, I don't, I'm not someone who like refers to my own generation a lot or like the Gen Z, you know what I mean? But like, there wasn't really, I think that kind of voice for Mets fans, for Mets Twitter. I think for most of us, it had been like communicated through just like tweeting and like sharing memes. And we wanted to, I think, open that, that door back up because I think for me and Sam both, like we really, one of the first things we got into, um, when it came to like Mets Twitter as a whole was like good fundies and the work that, you know, Brian and Roger did. And we were very, uh, we were very, I think, drawn towards bringing that lighter side of things back. So we, you know, looked around for instrumentals and we, we, you know, spent a good weekend or so coming up with the name and we put together a logo and we decided we would have a segment where we like remember guys and, um, I think that a lot of it, it was just really us playing off of what we saw um, other people enjoying, not necessarily, but not necessarily other people, I think, making. So it was, mm. it was something that we kind of just took the opportunity and ran with. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what we do next, because I think that, uh, you know, especially with the school year behind us, uh, you know, there's, there's really no place else to go but up and this team's getting better like there's more reason to talk about this team now than there was last year like we were talking last year our first episode I think was when I, I'm pretty sure it was when like almost everyone on the Mets roster got COVID and they had to suspend the season yeah so it was it was a low um, point last year for sure it was very low I mean just going through that 2020 I don't know how we went got through that and then the offseason waiting for Steve Cohen to come in like uh, you know, we, we, Sam and I both, but I think especially Sam on the technical side of things had a lot of good ideas and we, uh, you know, we sort of took advantage of it and tried to make the most and, you know, we're here now and it's, it's a good place to be. So, and it's good to be here with, uh, with you guys for sure. Nice. Yeah. That's I awesome. mean, yeah. You know, you guys started, and for, I mean, first and foremost, totally respect the grind. You said you've only missed a couple weeks. I think Mike J can kind of attest to this i you know sometimes i take too long to upload the podcast between episodes uh but uh definitely respect the grind um but yeah you guys started kind of a tumultuous time to do a podcast i was absent from mesmerized last season uh for the entire season um kind of at the height of covid uh really uncertain times for sure um so coming up with content, the kind of the end of the Wilpon regime, waiting for Steve Cohen to come in, like you said, definitely a really interesting time to start a podcast. And especially last season with the Mets, I mean, it was good to have baseball back last summer, but it was certainly a, um, I don't know how you'd put it, but it didn't really feel like a, a, a complete baseball season. No it fans, it didn't have that atmosphere. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely really awesome. You guys are kind of, gotten into the meat and potatoes of your, of your podcast and everything. So with that being said, since you guys have been doing it for a long time, are there any moments in particular that you've had on your podcast that really stick out to you? Maybe it's a particular episode or things you've talked about in general that you feel like have kind of separated itself from the pack of just the normal weekly things. Just what are some important things you guys really feel like you've talked about and that you can kind of hang your hat on, um, you know, so far. 
I think for me, I'm really proud of the fact that we have like this intersection where we can goof around and just like joke about stuff and like bring in this kind of weird youthy zoomer humor one day and then like the next week there could be a sexual assault or harassment scandal and we have like nuanced well thought out opinions and takes on it and I I really like I appreciate our podcast as being a podcast where there's room for both topics where we feel like we can address the serious stuff and do it correctly but also most of the time we just are ranting about stuff that we find funny or are frustrated with the team like there's there's room for both both fun stuff and the serious stuff Mm. and because especially with the Mets having so much just like crap in the the middle stages of the offseason with uh all the accusation stuff with like Mickey Calloway and Jared Porter, I feel like we handled that really, really well uh, in our conversations about that. And that's one thing I'm pretty proud of. And also some of the content that Jack has created for our Twitter account, some of the videos that he's put up that have gotten like lots of engagement. Uh, these like kind of, we've only done a couple of them, but these breakdown videos that I think are phenomenal that he's done. And, and I would love for us to do more. And I've just been like it, that kind of stuff. I just feel like a lot of the content we've produced, I'm really proud of. Yeah, that's I, uh, awesome. I I really I think to go off of um some of the things that Sam's talked about, I think one thing that I'm really proud of, obviously, I think the the uh, way that we've tried to approach like delicate subjects, um, while still kind of being open and being I think honest with uh, you know our listeners is something that we've both put a lot of thought into, and I think we it the nice thing about it I think is that we really I think have a common ground on most of this and we see eye to eye on like um you know like like cancel culture bullshit not really being like an an actual issue like and being able to address these these topics like intuitively is nice um but I also think if you're looking for a, a linchpin moment I think that it's probably a tie between either when the Mets got Lindor and we did our like emergency 15 minute episode which we pretty much did on, on no preparation. We didn't put together a script or anything. We just let yeah. everything out for 15 minutes. That was a good one. And then I think the interviews we've done, uh, the connections that we've made through Metsmerized and also just through Sam's, uh, a, you know, online presence have, have really uh, worked to our benefit. I think the stuff that we've talked about with Josh Hedgeka has been really interesting. I mean, he's in AAA right now and he's just like, he's somebody that we can tweet at whenever and, you know, he'll tweet at us and he'll listen to our episodes. And I think he values our insight. And we have like, like we, we, we have a, a connection with him. Um, I also think that the interview we do with Ty Kelly was, was something that was something I was really proud of um, because that's a guy who not only had played for the Mets and played in the major leagues, but had played on a very big stage in the postseason um, mm-hmm. on a team that had just, completely hauled ass to get to the playoffs despite everybody being hurt and he has so many stories about like just being in that clubhouse with all the turnover like week after week with players getting hurt um and of course now he's he's also doing a lot of work as like an advocate for minor league baseball which is another like sensitive issue that i think we're we're really focused on and trying to bring attention to but i think that yeah for us it's a lot of the connections we've been able to make um 
mostly because of our connections, Sam's connections and, uh, you know, the connections we, we were able to make through Mesmerize for both like, both two things that I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of and, you know, really look forward to continuing to build. Yeah. That Lindor, that Lindor episode, by the way, that like, it's a 13 minute episode we did on no prep. That's yeah. still our, our most listened to episode that we've done so far, I believe. That's I awesome. Think, I think that was the first episode of yours that I listened to. Yeah, maybe we should do some more short form content. Then, yeah. that would work <laughs> I think us. we should just like drop them on people. Like we should have days where like, yeah. like Luis Rojas drops the lineup card and we just spend 10 minutes talking about like, you know, why James McCann shouldn't be hitting cleanup. <laughs> we're workshopping we're workshopping pge on someone else's podcast this is fantastic <laughs> yeah. please do though we please also do. love ty kelly like if you guys yes. can get in contact with ty kelly we'd love to talk to him too he's great ty's he's great a little busier now since he's like playing in seattle well yes like, i'm hitting, sure yeah. hitting, i'm hitting sure walk off homers uh, yeah, yeah that was so cool yeah he's, he's good for ty kelly love ty kelly we were talking about Ty Kelly a couple episodes ago because it was the anniversary of the infamous uh, ass in the jackpot moment. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just really talked about how much we enjoy Ty Kelly. But it's great. I mean, yeah, you guys, I know, have had Trevor Hildenberger on your podcast, who unfortunately is not with the Mets anymore. But it seems like an amazing guy. Super funny. Um, Josh really Hedgka, good, yeah. another really cool down-to-earth guy who's very transparent with his followers and talks about his minor league career so far and kind of the uh troubles of last season's pandemic and how that affected minor leaguers and it's cool to see his journey as he works his way from not being a standout prospect joining the Mets and kind of working his way up through the system if I can speak to the the kind of person that Josh Hedgka is too real quick I'm I'm right now I'm interning with a, a collegiate summer league baseball team I'm calling games for them as a broadcaster and we have a submariner on our roster. Uh, his name is Riley Raimondo out of Keystone College. He's a really good dude. And I was talking to him in batting practice one day about like the origins of him being a submariner and all that stuff. And I mentioned offhand, I was like, I know Josh Hedgka, who's in the Mets system. He's a submariner. He was like, oh, that's, that's great. I'd love to talk to him. I texted Josh the next day, DM'd him. I was like, hey, this guy is on my team. He'd love to talk to you. And Josh was like, here's my phone number. Give it to him tell him to reach out to me. He can pick my brain. Absolutely. No hesitation. Like, that's amazing. Great to you. It's so cool, man. Yeah. You're doing yeah. God's work. That's, that's really awesome, man. You're using your, your podcast powers for good, which we, yeah. uh, we always really, um, we always really appreciate, but uh, last question before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, but where can we find your guys' podcast? When can we find your guys' podcast? And yeah, when, when are you releasing your, your podcast generally? And uh, when can listeners expect to, to expect your stuff? We are everywhere that you can find podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor is where we push stuff out through. So anything that Anchor gets podcasts out to, we are out on. Uh, we generally post every Monday. Um, this week we were a little bit late getting our podcast out cause we had to record on Monday, but pretty much we record every Sunday evening and get our podcast out posted around 10 or 11 in the morning, every Monday. Um, we are the pleasant good evening podcast. So wherever you get your podcasts and you can follow us on Twitter at the PGE pod, the PGE pod. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you guys, uh, anyone listening who hasn't listened to Jack and Sam, definitely tune in. They're doing some awesome work. They really wrap up uh, that previous week in the Mets world in a very uh, interesting way. There's a lot of humor and definitely the videos that you guys were talking about earlier where Jack kind of breaks down specific Mets moments. I always get a kick out of. So definitely check those out for sure. Guys, as we're recording this, the Mets are nine games above 500. They are in first place in the National League East. They are five games above the Philadelphia Phillies, six and a half games above the Atlanta Braves, uh, and they have the biggest divisional lead in baseball um, with a really banged up uh, team, you know, where you have three guys who are reliable at the top of the rotation. David Peterson had a good outing this week. Joey Lucchese has been decent uh more so in his recent starts, he's been able to go deeper into games. He still hasn't gone any deeper than five innings, but it's a, pro- it's a process and he's been doing pretty well. Uh, but the Mets, I mean, it's no secret at this point, but they've dealt with a lot of adversity. Um, they, at the very least, have split this series with the Cubs, who are a good team. Um, can the Mets keep this up? Can they hold on until they're going to, until they, are kind of at full capacity or are going to be at the closest to full capacity as they can be. I mean, they're getting Conforto back. They're getting McNeil back, but you know, can their rotation hold on? Can their bullpen uh, keep this up or is this kind of just a mirage? I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to at this point run away with the division. Um, I just don't think, but they have to keep at it. Like, and that I'm not, so sold on not so much because of injuries but just because of like you said those two spots in the rotation like it doesn't help that major league baseball is basically taking away like a basic health measure for pitchers with this this grip mm-hmm. stuff i mean we saw with tyler glass now yesterday he was very upset i mean a lot of pitchers this, this might happen to didn't seem to affect taiwan walker probably won't really affect marcus stroman but those are also like those are not necessarily innings guys jacob Degrom is not totally an innings guy uh the way we we'd like him to be as phenomenal as he is um you know we're sort of walking a tightrope in terms of health so I think I think they're gonna win it uh as far as how they do in the playoffs though that's a different question right now just because like if the pitching staff is worn down to that point it's it's gonna be a very quick uh in and out like they definitely need I think depth in that rotation and they've done, a, you know, they did everything that they really could. They probably didn't foresee what's happened, uh, you know, happening now because it's unlike really anything. Across baseball, everyone's getting hurt. Uh, I, don't, I don't hold anyone in the front office to task for the situation that the Mets are in. I mean, Jordan Yamamoto was a good pickup. He's just hurt. Like, that, that just is what it is. But I think that right now the goal should just be to keep hitting until your actual hitters come back and then hope that, by that point, you're in a position to maybe make a trade for somebody. Or maybe Peterson is 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 gonna give you more starts like he did against the Cubs. Maybe this is like a turning point for him. I, I'm I'm confident. I'm I'm hopeful. Uh it's just as far as how long this lasts after they clinch, that's where I'm a little bit more concerned. Because hmm. I want this team to go all the way. I am feeling good. Uh Jack, I'll I'll keep it a little more concise. Jack. Uh, I agree that I think this team ultimately wins the division. However, there's still like a lot of season left. We're not even halfway through yet. 
Um, the Braves still have plenty of talent up and down their roster, and I know that they're going to add, I think, at the deadline. I would love the Mets to add one more arm, whether that's like a Kyle Gibson type, you know, a back-end starter who can just give you innings. Um, I would love that, especially someone who you don't really mind not using much down the stretch. If Carrasco and Syndergaard come back, I think Gibson is, is probably like the perfect guy for that situation where he's not going to be too, too expensive. Um, but generally, yeah, I'm feeling good. And this last couple of weeks have been really important for that because they've been doing it against good baseball teams. The Padres and the Cubs are both high quality teams that are having really, really good seasons. And the Mets, they didn't just hang with the Padres. They won the season series against the Padres and they, you know, they broke down in that last game a little bit, but they won, they won four of seven against the Padres, uh, including a split in their home ballpark in San Diego. And these last, these first two wins against the Cubs have been fairly convincing, especially because you're doing it with David Peterson on the mound in one of those games who threw six scoreless innings after his worst stretch of his career. So I am feeling better than I was, I want to say, two weeks ago before the San Diego series because I was really worried heading into that stretch where we faced the Padres seven of nine games. Uh, but right now, I'm, I'm feeling really good, especially because the, the Braves keep losing games and I I'm not giving the Phillies a second thought. That team is not a good baseball team. Uh, this division is crap. And if the Mets get back to relative full strength within the next couple weeks ago, or to within the next couple weeks with McNeil and Conforto coming back and maybe Brandon Nimmo shortly behind them, then they could put runs up bigly and <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully create even more distance in this division. I, I completely agree. I mean, I think, you know, from a, from a depth pitching standpoint, you know, if, if for whatever reason, uh, you know, one of these guys goes down with injury, God forbid of, you know, DeGrom, Stroman and, uh, and Walker, what, ha you know, what do you do with Seth Lugo in that position? Cause you already have a great bullpen, you know, maybe does he go into the rotation? That's something that I'm a little, wary of uh, because he's had sort of mixed results as a starter um, he's been good but he's also not been good so um, I don't know I, it's there's, there's a lot of factors um, that need to fall the Mets way that have been falling their way and <laughs> just being just by virtue of being a Mets fan all it takes is one uh, you know really bad month which which the Mets have been wont to do in recent history even uh, to have like a really terrible month and, and that could really unravel things for them. Yeah. I think, I mean, at this point I'm sold on the Mets uh, to the point where before they had all these injuries coming into the season, I think they were really primed to be a 90 win team um, with, you know, being at full strength. Um, and they've done a really admirable job of, of winning these games and, they never really feel out of it. Like in the past, like if a team like last night, uh, you know, Tuesday night against the Cubs, Javi Baez hits that two run home run. And in years past, you're like, well, that's it. That it's the game. The Mets aren't going to, aren't going to score three runs. They're not going to, the, the Cubs won this game, but the Mets never really feel out of it now. And you go back to that San Diego series in San Diego the Mets could have easily swept that series. The Cub, the the Padres didn't blow them out. That Thursday night game with Darvish on the mound, the Mets almost came back to tie that game. They could have won that game. 
Mm-hmm. And then even on Friday when Snell pitched probably his best outing of the year, the Mets only lost two nothing. So even in the games that they did lose minus that, that stinker this past Sunday, the Mets, uh, the Mets were in all of those games against a really good team. Um, and I think, you know, like Sam said, uh, you're getting uh, McNeil back, you're getting Conforto back um, and Brendan Nemo perhaps behind that. Those are three really integral guys to your lineup. And um, if the pitching and the defense stays as good as, good as it's been, there's no reason why the Mets can't run away with this division. As for Seth Lugo, I, I, I would like to see him stay in the bullpen. I know that he has aspirations to be a starter, but I think that he's just so good in the capacity that he is. He, he has an amazing arsenal, which you don't really see so much for relievers. You know, he has five pitches that he can mix up. Um, and that was kind of on full display last night where he pitched two innings. He can mm-hmm. give you multiple innings out of the bullpen. And so, you know, I like to see him there. I think that they, the Mets will add over the next several weeks. Um, my personal hope is that the Cubs collapse and they, they sell at the deadline. I'm still kind of holding out. I love Kyle Hendricks. I would love to see the Mets add him. I know it's kind of a long shot at this point, but he's a guy that I think would be a really good addition to this rotation not like a like an ace but someone who is going to be serviceable for you and is gonna it kind of has a rubber arm but i think the mets are legit chris Chris bryant too let's get chris bryant blue and orange he would look amazing or something Listen, well, I think you he give JD Davis up in the trade. I'm fine with that. Oh, likewise, 100. percent I mean, they should have just done that this off season. Totally, I think so too. They, I, they really I, should have gone for Darvish too. That was like when I saw what the Padres gave up for him, I was very pissed off. Especially because they then like turned around and they were like, "Oh, Trevor Bauer, here's 40 million." It's like, but you can't give up like like Mark Vientos and JD Davis and like David Peterson for Chris Bryant. Like, you're kidding me? Like. <laughs> In, Agreed. In yeah. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, though. I mean, J.D. Davis yeah. did get off to a rough start, so I feel like that kind of plays into it a little bit. Or, or no, he, now got he's hurt. Good, he got off to a good start. Just kidding. He got off to a great start. Yeah. He was one of the guys that was kind of hitting when nobody else was. But the thing with yeah. Davis is just like now at this point, there's really no timetable for his return. So you don't even really know if he's going to come back before the all-star game, after the all-star game, August, September, you know, who knows. Um, but the Mets are going to add and they're going to supplement this team. And it's going to be like 2015, you know, they're going to, they're going to solidify their bullpen. They'll probably add an arm and then you'll, you'll they'll probably add a bat or two as well. Um, but the I think they're that, in good position. The thing that worries me with these guys coming back is the defense because the defense has been so stellar. And so, you know, kind of game changing, like I, I'm just, I have Twitter up and you know, the, the tweet that keeps playing through on my computer right now is the relay throw from Luis Guillorme. Mm. And like, you don't get that from Jeff McNeil. You don't get that from JD Davis. Like, and, and if, if you get a bad throw there, it's a tie ball game, who knows what happens. So, mm. uh, and the Mets have been in so many of those games where their defense has really kind of bailed them out. So that, that's my only concern with these like big bats coming back. Hopefully the runs created sort of offset mm. that, but, uh, but it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Well, I think so encouraging uh, about the defense is that most of that value is coming through like shifting it's not yeah. necessarily coming True. through an like individual player. Like Jose Peraz is like 
third right now among second baseman and outs above average. And he's been, he's been a great fill in no doubt, but um, I don't necessarily think baseline he's a better defender than as you know, all those people that he's ahead of. It's one of those things where like, if they, sure. if they really, they like understand that Brandon Nimmo's a little bit challenged in center field. So they're not gonna, you know, they're gonna really make sure that they fine tune where he plays. And so far the results for that have been, have been decent. It's a very small sample and he's obviously not here now, but yeah. That's yeah. that's the one thing that I can sleep comfortably at night over is the fact that like it's a it's a front office thing. Sure. And so uh, the range factor too, I think is is big in center field, which like Kevin Pillar clearly has more range. But uh but Brandon Nimmo, I think I think he's better defensively than people even give him credit for. Um so yeah, we'll see how all that goes. The Mets have the Subway series coming up uh within the next couple of weeks. Uh, the anniversary of Dave Malicki's complete game shutout with eight K's to kick off the subway series way back over 20 years ago at this point. Um, the anniversary of that is I believe today. Um, the subway series for me is always fun. Um, but you know, I don't necessarily think it still holds the same luster as it once did. Um, you know, I don't think the Mets and the Yankees really have, very much of a rivalry anymore. I mean, it, it is nice to play them. If the Mets win, it is nice from a bragging rights standpoint. Um, you know, I'm more concerned with the Mets beating up on teams in their own division. Um, but the Subway Series is always fun. So I figured we'd go around right now um, and we would each talk about one of our favorite Subway Series moments, whether it's a popular one, whether it's a more obscure one. What's a Subway Series moment that's sticking out to you guys today? So I'm thinking about because because uh, obviously Dave Malicki had the complete game against the Yankees in in '98. Um, I'm thinking about a different complete game in this in the Subway Series that uh, that a a Mets right hander had. I'm thinking about how the Mets swept the Subway Series in 2013 and finished it off when Dylan G struck out like 12 Yankees in a complete game effort and just like shut them down completely. And everyone was talking about the next day about how the Mets just swept the subway series, Dylan G. Oh my God. And I think that was the year that G like pitched on opening day too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was like 2013 G was not great, but like that game against the Yankees was the first game that like kicked off. Like Rob, you would know this for sure. Cause this is like a game log thing, but he had like, after that game against the Yankees, he was like one of the best pitchers in the national league for the rest of the season. Like mm -hmm. just the most unlikely thing guy comes up with like a 580 ERA and just twirls. His head <laughs> up and like, you know, it's, it is very Dave Malicki, but that was fun. Um, I think my memory is probably uh, when Carlos Delgado went to the Bronx and got like nine RBIs <sighs> against nine. the Yankees. Like that was just, <laughs> That was just ridiculous. That was like, cause yeah. Delgado had been having a really bad season to that point. And that whole Mets team in 08 was like, they had a lot of stars, but they weren't really putting it together. And because it was the year after the collapse, people were getting restless and they just went up to big brother's house and just beat the shit out of them. Like, and that lineup was like, that lineup had like, this was not like, like Ryan church was hurt. Um, like, I don't even think, yeah, it was like Fernando Tatis, Delgado was the DH. They had Fernando Tatis playing first. Marlon Anderson was in left field because Alou was hurt all year. 
uh, Trot Nixon was in right field. Oh like, my God! Yeah, Trot and that's scored <laughs> runs against the Yankees. It was a little yeah. bit like the Dylan G thing, but on an offensive side. So, yeah, that that was the memory that was that was going to stick out for me too, Jack. I um I remember I remember that game because I was just very frustrated with the Mets. Like you said, I was you know just as a fan, just so annoyed, and a lot of that was focused on Carlos Delgado for me. Like at just at that age, it was a kid and I was like, it's all Carlos Delgado's fault. And, uh, and so for him to go out there and drive in nine runs, I was like, all right, I'll eat those words. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not going to bring up the Castillo dropped catch. I think that I've made peace with that. I, I did just want to mention that that happened on my graduation from eighth grade that night. Um, and so I was out to dinner having a nice chicken parm dinner with some ziti with my family. We get home. The Mets are about to seal the deal. Everything's good in 13-year-old Rob's life. And the ball gets hit. Castillo looks so uncomfortable. You just know he's going to drop it. He does. My dad's downstairs. And I go to the door. He hears me open the door and he's just like, I fucking hate Luis Castillo or something like that. And so that memory sticks out. But um, the memory that does stick out to me the most is a moment that's not even really that um, popular or significant, but it was back in 2012 or 2013. Me and my dad went to a subway series game. It was sold out. Um, and we just got standing room tickets. So we didn't actually have a seat. We were hanging out over like on the third baseline uh, at City Field. And um, Chris Young, the starting pitcher, got the nod for the Mets. Um, I think he started off the game with three no-hit innings. And of course, as a fan, you're always hoping for the no-hitter. And um, I think he, his final line wasn't super pretty because like the fourth inning rolled around, he let up a home run and that's lost the game. I think they got shut out. Um, but kind of just, uh, one of, you know, one of those moments that happens a lot with those 2012, 2013 Mets that weren't particularly good, but I, I've been thankful. I've been able to go to a lot of subway series games in my life. I was, um, I was at the game where they, where they finished off the sweep against the Yankees in 2013. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, those games are always fun. It's nice to be able to go to, you know, city field or Yankee stadium to have that option. Yankee stadium is a little bit closer in proximity to where I live. So I could just hop on the train and go there. It's nice to see the Mets play there too, but, uh, it should be fun regardless. Like I said, I don't think the, um, I don't think that the, the rivalry is really a thing anymore, but you know, for a bragging rights, uh, kind of aspect, I guess it's, it's, it's fun. As long as the Mets kind of, as long as the Mets win, you know, view it as another series and they win this series. I mean, that's, that's really what's important for their overall record and divisional kind of um, standing, I guess. Um, I think it's yeah. more important when both teams are good too. Yeah. Like, like yeah. right now the Yankees stink. So I'm like, okay, you know, going into this subway series, I'll, it'll be kind of whatever. And then the Yankees have been great when the Mets have been pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. This is, well, this is fun because like, I think that's a really good point, Mike, about that's probably what I was going to say about Lester. Like 2006 was the series that comes to my mind when like David Wright got that walk-off hit. That was like the clash mm -hmm. of Titans. Cause those two were the two best teams in baseball that year. 
Um, so that was like peak. And then obviously you have like 2099 with, you know, Roger Clemens versus Al Leiter and like, you know, Paul O'Neill versus Mike Piazza, like stuff like that is really, um, you know, that it's, it makes for great television, but these days it hasn't really been that way. I think this could be a little bit more fun for us though. It's one of those rare times where like the Mets probably, at least their fans are having more fun right now. So it's, if they beat up on the Yankees enough, like we can really just like enjoy that at their expense for a while. I mentioned like the big brother thing. This is a little bit like, I don't know if you guys ever had big siblings, but like you have like a big sibling who's like in their room, like, like just pissed off. Maybe like they, you know, got put in timeout or something. And like, they're very, very upset. And you're the Mm -hmm. little brother and you just like go in there just to open the door, just to like piss them off a little bit. And then you run out (laughs) laughing. Like that's a little bit what this Mets Yankees thing is like right now. And, um, Oh yeah. I'm, 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 I'm really looking forward to that. And I think Lindor in the Bronx is going to be really, uh, really special. Yeah. I got, I got two things to say on that. First of all, completely echoing that sentiment, Jack, excuse me, that, Right now, Yankee fans are not having fun. Like, I have a good buddy who's a Yankee fan, and I'm in, like, a a baseball group chat, and he texts more in the group chat about the Mets being good than the Yankees. Like, every time the Yankees lose, it's like, like, what do I expect anymore? They stink right now. But every time the Mets do something good, he's like, wow, like, the Mets are so fun right now. Like, I'm actually enjoying watching the Mets right now. Like, he's one of those Yankee fans that doesn't hate the Mets, and I think that's the way it should be. I think if the Yankee fans are truly the big brother, they shouldn't even like pay attention to the Mets. Whereas the Mets and Mets fans, in order to really be the little brother, we always need to be hating on the Yankees. I think that's the way the relationship should be. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that I just wanted to mention is Jack reminded me when he mentioned Roger Clemens, another great Subway Series moment when Sean Estes homered off Clemens. Yes. Amazing yes. moment. Yes. Amazing moment. Take that, Roger Clemens. <laughs> it's a great time moment. Head. The first time the Mets had faced Clemens since he threw the bat at Piazza and their pitcher took him deep. It, it was perfect. Well, yeah, he, they had him throw behind Clemens. Uh, they had they, they wanted to hit Clemens. And the dude, like, this, the Mets he pitching missed. was so dog shit that he didn't <laughs> even hit him. He threw, he, like, threw, like, four feet behind him. And then he, you know, everyone was like, oh, well, you just blew because they issued the warning and stuff. It's like, great. Like you got your chance to hit him and you didn't hit him. You idiot. And then Sean Estes came up and hit the home run. And then we never heard from him again, but. Yeah. I have a, I have a typical I Mets proud, legends fashion. Oh yeah. I, I am a proud owner of a Mets Sean Estes t-shirt. I will be honest. I do own a Mets Sean Estes t-shirt. I found one on eBay and I bought it immediately. That's It's so good. Yeah, I'll post a picture of it on Twitter, probably on the Mets <laughs> Legends page. I think it's in the laundry right now, but I will, when it's nice and fresh and sparkling clean, I will post a picture of it. Black, orange, blue, white. It's black. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's nice. black, just like those classic old nice. Mets. The font on the back is kind of weird, so I don't know if someone was like really obsessed with Sean Estes and like had it made from like a fan perspective. But uh, regardless, I was I was happy to buy it. I can't wait to wear it at City Field and get some reactions <laughs> for it. I think it'll be funny for people to see a Sean Estes T-shirt there. Um, so just briefly, uh, we have another on this day moment uh, that Mike J brought up about Kirk Newenheis. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mike, if you want to bring that up about Kirk's uh, moment in history. And then let's yeah. kind of just quickly go around and talk about our favorite Kirk moment. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, so Kirk Neuenheis, I think is as about a fun, uh, Mets legend as there is. Cause he just had so many of these just like random moments of brilliance. Um, but he, he hit a walk-off, uh, three run home run in the bottom of the ninth, uh, to win the game four, three over the Chicago Cubs. Um, so, you know, fitting timing as well as we're playing currently in the, in the midst of a series with the Cubs, um and it was uh you know it was just like one of those kirk newenheist moments where you were like okay something could happen here and of course he you know absolutely clobbers the pitch uh i think you know it goes into the pepsi porch but it could have gone upper deck uh you know on a different day and uh yeah i mean that's that's pretty much the moment um but i mean the first thing that comes to mind for me when it comes to kirk newenheist is his three home run day but what do you guys think the football player. He played football <laughs> in high school. True. Yeah, true. <laughs> Gary <laughs> Cohen lore. Everyone never, nobody ever seems to remember the fact that he played football in high school. I'm here to remind you that he played football in high school. And how could it not be? How could the, the quintessential Kirk Newenheist moment not be the home run off Papelbon? Yeah. In oh, well, that is. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. It's, Absolutely. It's like the always the moment that I'll remember him for. He did have a lot of those like weirdly clutch moments. Like he wasn't good, but mm-hmm. he was totally serviceable for multiple years. First met to hit three home runs in a home game, like just super like weird, random. randomly amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he had pop. You know, he he yeah. he 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 had pop in his bat. He didn't really do much else. Um, but as you mentioned, Sam, that home run against the Cubs came off of Carlos Marmol, who. I used to do his uh, his pitching windup when I was playing on the little league field. I used to I used to like him a lot, um, but yeah, the 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 Papelbon moment. I think that was Labor Day weekend in 2015, right? That was in September. Yeah, at, at, yeah. at Washington, it was, mm-hmm. it was in that crazy sweep that they had in Washington. Yeah, that was the yeah. Seven, one game where like they just let Drew Storen walk uh, the bases loaded, and then slowly like trickled the runs in, and then yeah, they. I think, yeah, Neuenheis, his whole season that year was really weird because people forget that the Mets DFA'd him and he got claimed by the Angels in May. Right. And then he came back and he was like this completely different hitter when he came back. I mean, granted, he was still like the fifth outfielder on the team, but um, his four home runs that year uh, are made up of the three against the Diamondbacks and the one against Papelbon. And he yeah. played in the World Series, yeah. uh, which mm-hmm. was people talk about like, uh, you know, I, I remember like one thing, actually, I should just talk about my favorite moment. Cause if you give me enough rope, I'll talk about new and heist for <laughs> minutes, but, um, a story about new and heist that like, no one really talks about because of the football thing. And because of the performances on the field, uh, was the fact that, and this was one of like my favorite Andy Martino articles, the guy basically like in the middle of the 2014 season, in the middle of a game on the road was just hanging out in center field passing kidney stones like yeah. just like like pebbles coming out of it like just, oh just standing there passing kidney stones in agony and like of course because it's terry collins and it's like a you know it's a different regime it's like it's red ass baseball what he's doing out there but like God. they had to like put him on the they had to put him on like an emergency injured list thing uh because he had to he had he had like he needed like dialysis his kidneys <laughs> were like completely like eroding in the outfield he was just you know God. hanging out behind like buddy carlisle in washington <laughs> man stones like if that's not if that's not the Wilpon era incarnate 
I don't know what else is. <laughs> that's like the like the pinnacle. Like that's just like when you boil it down, like in a nutshell, like the yeah. Wilpon era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so another home run that Kirk hit, that was the one that sticks out to me that we haven't mentioned, um, is I think it was Fourth of July. The Mets. I don't remember what year it was. It might have been 2014. Um, maybe 2013. It was one of those years. Um, but it was like a day game on 4th of July. It was like 100 degrees outside. The Mets and the Diamondbacks went into extra innings. And Kirk Neuenheis, I believe, hit a walk-off home run in like the 13th inning um, mm. in that game. Um, and so just another one of those like clutch Kirk moments. Um, but since we're on the topic of Mets legends, um, we've kind of been taking a page out of the Pleasant Good Evening book um, and kind of concluding our episodes with, uh, a legend that we've been that's on our mind today but we'll do it a little bit different today what's a legend moment that sticks out to you guys and that's how we'll conclude our show today i'll go first i'll um mentioning the videos that we posted on our twitter kind of had me thinking about those and i'm gonna i'm gonna remember chris carter the animal hitting yes. a go-ahead pinch hit double in like for his like first hit as a met it was a uh, who was that against Jack? Nationals. It was off Tyler yeah. Clifford. Yes, nice. yes, yes. <laughs> thing Tyler Clifford relentlessly. <laughs> so I know every detail of that game. It's also yeah. I'll, go ahead. That that breakdown that you did is phenomenal. Like it's perfect. And and Rob, we can try to find it and send it to you so you can retweet it out when the episode goes out because like hundred percent, it deserves as many eyes as possible on it because Jack, it's a work of art. And <laughs> thank you. Well, we came up with that together. It was, I mean, and also I got to give it to SNY for arbitrarily giving us that Mets classic, like once a week, every week since like 2011. <laughs> like like that's the only reason I remember it is because it's like, you know, they have like the no hitter. They have David Wright's walk off against the Yankees. They have them clinching the division. And then they just, oh yeah, by the way, remember uh, uh, when Chris Carter got that hit? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, but um. My Met legend is probably, I think this is something that Rob and I have talked about before, um, but it's a little bit, it's, it's a little bit of the same shade of like legend getting a hit uh, in an otherwise kind of insignificant time period. It's uh, do you, when Bobby Abreu was a Met, like, cause I've never seen a Met uh, like get a hit and then like get a send off as they're walking off the field before, like. Reyes got the bunt down and then like left for Miami. That was very unceremonious and, and a little bit, you know, traumatizing. Um, but like, and David Wright left, you know, he walked off the field. That was different, but Bobby Abreu like got a hit again in like the season finale and then got to first base and just got like this rousing ovation from yep. like you know, 40,000 fans on the last day of the season. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was um, there. That was, that was Mike Piazza's induction into the Mets hall of fame that day too. I was there um, as well. Yeah. That was a great game. Bobby Abreu. I put in like, cause that was the year that Jeter retired as well. And it was like yeah. the whole like respect thing with like the number two, but yeah. Bobby Abreu was number 53. So like yeah. in my <laughs> playbook, I put hashtag respect and then put 53 for the S and the, and the E. Um, that's Lucas brilliant. Duda hit his Lucas Duda hit his 30th home run in the, of the year that season as well. I think it, it was either off of 
Mike Fultonovich or Nick Tropiano, who's now with the Mets again. It was, um, it was off one of those two. Yeah, was there you go. Because they were mm-hmm. playing the Astros. I think it was Tropiano against Bartolo Colon. I don't know why I remember that, but <laughs> I, I recall that. I was, I was sitting tucked in the left field corner. Sam, I was also tucked in the left field corner. So no way. many Dude. years before I knew you. What could have um, been? It's fate. It's fate that we're friends now, Rob. That's <laughs> true. Mike uh, Jay, what about you, pal? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, now that we're talking about it, um, you know, on every episode, um, you know, I was listening to the last episode, just, you know, giving it a listen, seeing how it sounded. And, uh, you know, all right, we had a brief conversation about Ruben Tejada. So for me, the legend moment that that came to mind when you said that was um, when Ruben Tejada, you know, came out onto the field for the uh, for like the opening day rosters uh, following 2015 and 2016. Um, that was a cool moment for me. Yeah, I mean, he definitely cemented himself as like a Mets fan favorite after that happened in 2015. Um, and you know, Ruben Tejada, he, he got up to like that rousing start in 2012 after Reyes left and people were like, Reyes who, um, you know, he never quite like became a star, but I'll always like Ruben Tejada. And he was an integral part of that 2015 team, even if it wasn't like based off of on-field things, he was a big part of like an infamous moment in MLB history with Chase Otley, like legitimately tackling him on the field. Um, but yeah, I, I love me some, yeah, yeah, he is an asshole. Uh, fuck I Chase saw, Otley. I saw Tahada play actually a few weeks ago because he's in AAA with the Phillies right now. And, and I, I went to a Syracuse Mets game and he was playing second base against, yes. against the Mets. For the, I didn't even know that. For the Iron Pigs. And they run this promotion at NBT Bank Stadium where the, the Syracuse Mets play their home games. And on, on each team, they have, like, a sponsored hitter uh, on the Mets. They, they call him, like, the hitman. It's, like, sponsored by, like, a hot dog company. If that guy gets a hit, everyone in the crowd gets, like, a voucher or whatever for, like, a free hot dog through this company. But on the other side, the opposing team, they have, like, a strikeout guy. Oh. I think it's, like, it might honestly be Taco Bell. Like, if that guy strikes out, everyone gets, like, a free taco or something in the ballpark. And Ruben Tejada, who was the strikeout guy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> did he strike out? I, I honestly, I don't remember if he did or not, but it, it was just funny to me that this like Mets hero, this legend that this the fan base like loves for him, like literally laying his body on the line for yeah, this what the hell? series run. <laughs> and in his return, <laughs> not to the against the Mets, but against a Mets affiliate, everyone is like rooting for him to strike out. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so they get Jeez. a free Dorito Locos taco. <laughs> Yeah. that's that's kind of brutal like, that's... yeah it's brutal it's savage <laughs> well he got to play on that uh that team in 2019 also i forget about that Dude. all the time but like he was there for like two yes. weeks in august when they were going on that that tear of the of the national league i don't think he got a hit but like he was there that it was didn't cool. it didn't matter to me like how he did but he was tearing it up that year in triple a and i was i was he like he hit a cycle or something right before he got yeah. called. Yeah, yeah, it was like yeah, him, he was crushing Herrera, who were turning the clock back, and they picked Tejada. Yeah, well, and he, if I remember correctly, he was hitting like three twenty or like three thirty at the time in AAA, and like as one does, as one does, yeah. And I was, oh, um, I was just you know watching like I, I was following it on Twitter. You know, I was like, man, if this guy gets like a September call up, that would be that would just be beautiful, and I'm so glad he did. 
He's playing in AAA, I believe, now with uh, fellow Mets legend Ryan Cordell as well. I think he's yeah, on the I think he's on the AAA affiliate for the yeah. for the Phillies. Cordell made um, a diving catch in that game that I saw. Yeah, he's a very handsome man as well, Ryan Cordell. If you're listening, you're a handsome man. <laughs> my <laughs> moment, my moment that sticks out to me today is Colin McHugh's MLB debut uh, against uh, the Colorado Rockies in 2012. He went seven innings strong, struck out nine, yielded just two hits, let up no earned runs, walked one. Um, McHugh is one of those guys who I never really got over that that's getting rid of, Uh, kind of like kind of similar to to Joe Smith. Like both those guys, Mm. I really wish the Mets held on to. Darren O'Day is another one. Like these guys that had long careers that like theoretically – uh, could be playing on the Mets still to this day. Maybe not Joe Smith. I don't know if he's still in baseball, but I think Darren O'Day is he on is. the Yankees. Joe Smith is uh, on the Astros. Oh, is he really? He's still mm-hmm. playing. So there he's you like go. A super charitable dude too. Apparently, like yeah, he's great. Gallery has gone to like public schools, which is great. Love yeah. that. He's dope. Yeah, he's great. And his mom, I think he he his mom. There was something with his mom too, where he wanted to be close to like where he lived so that he could be with his mom. Um, just like a really nice dude. But Colin McHugh, the Mets got Eric Young Jr. for him uh, in that trade. And McHugh never really got it fully together until he got to the Astros. But he's made a nice, he's carved out a nice career for himself being uh, a former 18th round pick. So that mm-hmm. moment sticks out to me in particular. If you guys um, haven't, if Rob, have you seen the Mike Francesa rant after that game? Yeah, I oh, have. Yeah, it's electric. If you guys at home haven't seen <laughs> after the Mets, like I think wasn't his debut against the Rockies? It yeah, was. And yeah, he threw, it was like seven no hit innings, and then he lost it because Jordani Valdespin ran thirty feet in on a line drive over his head, and they were <laughs> was, like yeah, one to yeah. nothing. And I don't know if there Prince, were no hit yeah. innings, but he was really really good. Yeah. Like yeah, it was, Mike it was a really got good forced debut. Second, completely <laughs> yeah. so it would. It, they lost the game because, like you said, Valdis being completely misjudged a line drive like right at him, and that went for the only run of the game. And Francesa had this like otherworldly rant on his show after the game, where he it was a day game, and he's like complaining about how bad the Mets look defensively and they, the fundamentals aren't there. And he was like talking about how this kid went out and like pitched his heart out in his like debut. And he feels awful for this kid. And the kid he's talking about is Colin McHugh. And, and yeah. like now Colin McHugh is tearing it up for the Rays. Like he's carved out a really nice career for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's like, <laughs> that's that, that is a great Francesa rant where he's like, he's like, the Mets have become completely accepting of this garbage. Terry <laughs> yeah. Collins said that we're in these games. Why? Because Ronnie Cedeno fouled off a couple pitches. It's like I a like, great, yeah. and then just at some point in the middle of his rant, he just like loses all sense of like sentence and just goes, <laughs> "They stink." Forty-six and seventy-three. <laughs> I enjoyed that, man. That was like, that was such a bad season, but like they, between the no hitter, R.A. Dickey and the Mike Francesa rant, like that was, that was pretty fun. I don't know. It makes Mm -hmm. it all worth it. That was a great rant. He's like, he's like the 14 people in the stands, give them their money back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On that note, on that note, Jack, Sam, thank you guys for joining us. This wraps up another episode of Mets Legends cast. Jack, Sam, 
let us know one more time where we could find you on Twitter and where we could find your podcast, just in case people weren't paying attention earlier or they're just schmucks. Uh, we are the Pleasant Good Evening Podcast. You could follow us on Twitter at the PGE Pod and uh, tune in to new episodes every Monday around 11 o'clock in the morning. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can follow me, Sam, at Lebo My Ego. That's L E B O M Y E G G O. And Jack, if you have stuff to play. Yeah, um, Jack at Jack Hendon underscore H E N D O N. Um, my tweets aren't that funny, but like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm working on it. Uh, yeah, we most of the funny stuff is on the PGE pod, even if you're not necessarily like a podcast person. Like, you, you know, you get some good. We, we do we a little trolling. We yeah. between yeah. yeah, we got some good stuff. So yeah, it could be a little funny. Could be kind of funny. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Thank you so much for let, having us on, Rob and Mike. This is real pleasure. This was a blast. Yeah. 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 Great. Definitely come on whenever, guys. Well, we'd love to have you on again uh, throughout the season. Uh, it's been a blast. As for us, we can be found at Met, at Mets Legends on Twitter uh, and anywhere else where you get your podcast: Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, and uh, be sure to, to check us out. Give us a follow and stay tuned for more Mets legends, moments, and lore. Have a, have a pleasant good evening, as my, my, my guest would say uh, on a real, regular basis. <laughs>